Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. I just told Desi that I've spent the entire dre- dre? <laughs> dude. <laughs> I've spent the entire day drinking coffee and not eating because I've been working on this story and we're just going to see what happens today. <laughs> Let's start out the show by thanking our lovely patrons from this past week and a half. We had Melanie Figure Obsessive, Tia, Stacy, Kendra, Melinda, Chase, Michelle, Emily, Caitlin, Beck, Liza, and Hannet, and Tressa. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Those dramatic pause. <laughs> Dude, I'm like... <laughs> I've like pushed back doing this episode too, like for four days because I haven't been ready because I was in San Francisco visiting my family. So we're just a mess. And of course on the day it's time to record, I'm like a complete scatterbrain. So we're just going to see how it goes. This is a very interesting case. This is a movie versus reality. It is based, well, the case isn't based on, but the, the TV show, the 1963 TV show, The Fugitive, as well as the 1993 movie, The Fugitive were based on this case. Yeah. And they it drew heavily from it. If you have never seen The Fugitive, I'm only going to speak about the movie because I did not watch the TV show, but it's about Dr. Richard Kimball who gets accused of murdering his wife, but he didn't do it. He swears it was someone named the One-Armed Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. And he goes on the run, and Tommy Lee Jones is pursuing him. And Harrison Ford is hot. And Harrison Ford's really hot in Ugh. it. He's so hot. He's like, he was, I think he was my first childhood crush, if I think about it. Yeah. He's like kind of like a Bruce Springsteen type to me. Like he's still hot, even though he's like 70 something. I would, <laughs> like, I would still sit on like, Harrison Ford's face. I honestly don't know how it's possible. I've always thought he was hot. He's really hot. Yeah. Uh, we love so. you. And you know what else I love about him is like, he's like, he's like a pilot, you know, and he's crashed his plane so many times, but he just keeps getting back in that plane and flying. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's hot. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it's hot. I'm saying it's funny. Yeah. The thing I always liked about him was that he was like a carpenter before yeah. he was like an actor. He wasn't even an actor. He was working as a carpenter for George Lucas. I just think it's so hot. It's so hot. Oh my god, I love it. I him. even liked his earring in the late 90s. I didn't I, I didn't like that. <laughs> I did. I remember That's his flaw for he me. He was on the. He was like on the cover of the 1998 issue of People magazine because he was voted the sexiest man alive, and he had his little silver earring. I do have to. I would love to know what was behind that decision, <laughs> like how that happened, because it doesn't really seem in character for him. No. Yeah. Is he still married to Callista Flockhart? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, okay. Good, good for her and him. Yeah. Okay. So we are talking about a man named Sam Shepard today. That is the focus of our case. Now, Sam and his wife, Marilyn, lived in the affluent Ohio suburb of Bay Village with their son, six-year-old Chip. Now, that was not his... That's, a, that's his like nickname, obviously. Yeah. But that's such of that era. Chip? Yeah. Yeah. You don't see a lot it's of chips cute. anymore. It's cute. It is cute. The couple, now 30, met and fell in love in high school, where Sam excelled in both academics and sports. Following the footsteps of his father, Sam went into medicine and would go on to become a respected neurosurgeon. Sam and Marilyn married in 1945 in Los Angeles, and a few years later, their son was born. 
Sam worked at the Bayview Hospital, which was his father's practice, and also his brother, Stephen, worked there as well. They were all doctors. Now, on the morning of July 4th, 1954, before 6 a.m., Sam Shepard called his neighbor and friend, Jay Spencer Hoke, who was also the mayor of Bay Village. A frantic Sam said, for God's sake, Spen, get over here quick. I think they've killed Marilyn. Hoke rushed over with his wife, Esther, and soon after called the police. When they arrived to the Shepherd home, Sam was just wearing pants, and he looked like shit. Like, he had to look like he'd been beaten up. Oh, God. There was blood on his pants, and he was disoriented. When detectives arrived to the Shepherd home, the first thing they noticed was Sam's medical bag. It had been opened, and its contents had been dumped out onto the floor. All that was missing was a small bag containing some pills. Sam Shepard, his neighbor, Jay Spencer Hoke, and Hoke's wife, I don't know, I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry, they were all there when the detectives arrived. Shepard was sitting in his study while the couple were in the kitchen. The police uh, ascended the stairs of the Shepard home and into the bedroom where they were met with a grisly scene. The partially clothed body of Marilyn Shepard was lying in bed. She was wearing her pajamas and her breast was exposed. She had been beaten to death with an object that had left deep one-inch gashes on her face and head. She had suffered about 25 blows. And also at the scene, not only was there blood splatter everywhere, but there were also teeth fragments that were found. That's awful. So this was a very brutal beating. It was determined that Marilyn had died at 4 a.m. Marilyn Shepard was also four months pregnant. Oh. Yeah, and they knew that they were having a baby. Right. Blood was sp- splattered about the room, including on the door. Nothing else in the room appeared to have been disturbed. In fact, like there was a jacket sitting on the couch or on the ch- on a chair in the bedroom that was just like very neatly folded. Uh-huh. Like everything was sort of in its right place. The only thing that was amiss was was this beating and the blood splatter everywhere. There was also no sign of forced entry. But downstairs in a dining room, a desk had been ransacked. The desk in Dr. Shepard's study had been ransacked too. Behind that desk, police found a box, which had some tools spread out around it and also a watch that was belonging to Marilyn. There was also blood found on these items. A bag of personal belongings belonging to the Shepherds with Marilyn's jewelry, with some jewelry items, including some stuff from Marilyn's, was also found behind the home in some bushes. So Sam, Sam told the police that him and Marilyn had company over the night before. Their friends Don and Nancy Ahern had come over to watch a movie. They watched the movie downstairs, and at some point during the film, Sam fell asleep on their daybed. Marilyn later escorted their friends out and went upstairs to bed. I think that that was like around midnight that that happened. It was like a a late night. Later in the middle of the night, Sam said he awoke to screams coming from upstairs. He ran upstairs, and when he got to the bedroom, he said he saw a figure of a person standing at the foot of the bed where Marilyn was. But before he could get to Marilyn, he was struck from behind on the back of his head, knocking him unconscious. When he came to, he ran down the stairs, chasing the attacker outside of his home and onto the beach. Now, the Shepherd home was on Lake Erie, so 
that's where they're wrestling around is yeah. in this on this beach and it's dark out right now. It's That's it's, so scary. Yeah. Sam and the assailant fought and Sam was knocked unconscious again. When he came to the second time, the assailant was gone and he was lying on the beach. The waves were lapping up against him. His head was pointed towards the water and it was about 5.40 a.m. Sam described the killer as a tall, bushy-haired, middle-aged man and said he was wearing a white t-shirt. This shepherd's son, Chip, slept through this entire event. Sam did have an injury to his head, and he was taken to his father's medical office to be examined by his older brother. He said that Sam suffered a concussion as well as various external injuries and a fracture to the base of his neck. However, the police ordered that a different doctor also examine Uh him because they're like, well, we don't want just your family examining you and writing up the medical report. So the police had a different doctor examine Sam. They did an x-ray, and they f- reported that they found no sign of a fracture. Like, they, they made some de- had some discrepancies with his brother's medical report. Right. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A few days after Sam's initial interview with the police, immediately following the murder, He was visited at home by some detectives. His story remained the same. Police were now on the hunt for the murder weapon, as well as the T-shirt that Sam had been wearing the night of the murder. He was shirtless when everyone got there. And they're like, well, where's your T-shirt? And he couldn't, he didn't know where his T-shirt was. Right. But they thought that was kind of suspicious. Like, why were you shirtless? They also couldn't find the murder weapon. And a group of three fishermen who were fishing nearby at the time of the murder were questioned by the police, and they had reported seeing some teenagers in the area at around 5 a.m. But the and the fishermen, these guys were ruled out as suspects, right. but they didn't couldn't find any teenagers right. hanging around. On July 14th, a couple who lived in the area told police that they had gone out of a movie, gotten out of a movie at 2:30 a.m. on July 4th and that they were heading back from dinner at around 4 a.m. They said they saw a tall man in his 30s or 40s with bushy auburn hair and long sideburns wearing a light-colored T-shirt walking past the cemetery. So a second bushy man sighting. These weren't the only people who reported uh, having seen a bushy-haired man lurking around the area. There were like a handful of other witnesses who were like, yeah, I saw a bushy haired man lurking around the vicinity of the house or the neighborhood, I should say. A search of the lake behind the shepherd home turned up a t-shirt, but there was no blood found on it, nor could it have been, could it be determined to have belonged to Sam Shepard. Police continued to search the water for the murder weapon. On July 15th, a woman named Jessie Dill made a statement to the police about Marilyn Shepard. She said that she had met Marilyn in June at the beach and that the two had struck up a conversation. The conversation turned to Jesse's divorce from her husband. She said that she divorced him because he was having an affair with another woman. 
That's when Marilyn confided in her that she had been thinking of divorcing her husband. She said that she had found a receipt for some jewelry that Sam had purchased, and when she went to the jewelers, she discovered it was a gift meant for another woman. Mm. Marilyn also claimed that Sam had been having affairs with nurses at the hospital and that he'd always had a wandering eye. Then Jesse said that Marilyn confessed to her that she had been also having her own affair with a man for the last nine months. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I mean, at least she's like, if he's going to yeah, be a, exactly. If he's going to be an asshole. No, I like when women have affairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, if a guy's fucking around all the time, her husband, I like that she's like, well, fine, I'm going to do it too. Only if it's an eye for an eye situation. Yeah, an eye for an eye. That's what I mean, because I don't want her to be home sad. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? She should be getting... Especially in that day and age, the men were typically out there fucking around like yeah. in their careers while the woman's at home being the wife and mother. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I like it in that situation. I'm, I'm glad she got some. Jesse told the police that when the story of the murder came out in the newspaper, she realized that this was the same woman she was talking to at the beach that day. Now, the papers reported this murder of Marilyn Shepard every single day. Yeah. And like I said to you before we started recording, I was really overwhelmed researching this case because there is so much information out there about it. And, you know, we, a lot, a lot of my, most of my sources for this came from newspaper articles from the fifties and sixties. And they reported it every day, Desi. I had to like stick to one newspaper for my source. It was like the biggest crime, like of that, decade it was, like, or something. It, it was huge. It like, was like OJ. Yeah. I mean, it was that big. It was everywhere. It was on TV. It was like people were obsessed with it. And, you know, there are so many different like juicy elements to yeah. the story. Now, the case was also famous, would become famous in later years because of its sensational news coverage, specifically by the Cleveland press. Right. And that's what I mentioned. And the Dorothy Kilgallen that newspaper in particular. Exactly. Yeah. They published per- some particularly damning headlines and basically they had already found Sam Shepard guilty before he was arrested, before he had a trial, right. before anything. A July 21st headline in the Cleveland Press read, Do it now, Dr. Gerber. Now this was referring to Dr. Gerber, who was the coroner, and he hadn't held the, an inquest yet, and they wanted him to hold the inquest oh, right. into Sam Shepard. Right. So they literally printed ahead. They're like ordering the coroner. Now, the next day, he called for an inquest. Yeah. So like you said in your Dorothy Kill Galen report... The, they were driving the investigation. The newspapers were v- very much driving the investigation. Um. A later headline from the Cleveland Press read, Why isn't Sam Shepard in jail? Because <laughs> there's due process. <laughs> I mean, that is that is pretty brazen. Yeah. That's I mean, like, okay, you went there. That's wild. Totally. And that's like a newspaper. It's not like a tabloid. No. Yeah. This is a newspaper. Now, on July 23rd, which was like two days after they printed that headline, a public inquest was held. 40 spectators showed up to the inquest, mostly housewives, as the Akron Beacon Journal reported. And I love that. I'm like, oh, even back in the day, housewives love true crime. Yeah. <laughs> they all showed up. They're to the, the only ones who are home. They're like, we can go. <laughs> <laughs> We're 
busy bodies. <laughs> I, I love it. It's really good. Uh, here is, oh, oh, here's another headline from the Cleveland Press that came out during the inquest. This was on July 26th. Slain wife reveals dates of doctor, talks of divorce. The audience of more than, this is from the article, the audience of more than 200, so they inflated the number of spectators to oh, 200. Wow. I don't know if it was 240 there, but the Cleveland Press said it was 200 people. Yeah, that at- seems like a big difference. Mostly village housewives applauded when William Corrigan, Dr. Sam's attorney, was forcibly ejected from the hearing after insisting vigorously on his right to insert remarks into the record. Coroner Samuel R. Gerber, who ordered Corrigan's expulsion, was hugged, kissed, and cheered by the spectators after he recessed the three-day hearing to be reconvened later at the county morgue. I mean, that is an insane... Yeah, thing these women are all there like, let's get the husband. <laughs> no, they they were they were um yeah, they wanted to they wanted to get him in jail. Yeah, yeah that's okay, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like they're there like these wives <laughs> who are like one of us. <laughs> like they're after this husband because it's like all of their fears or something. Like. Totally. And um I mean they're treating this like it's like a fucking like a wrestling match yeah. or something. No, they're, that's crazy. Like that's how they're writing this story in the Cleveland press. So I, I just, feel like I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's like so unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my impulse. That's so unprofessional. <laughs> I would never run my courtroom that way. <laughs> Desi, you would, your gavel would be a turkey leg. <laughs> Order, Order in the, the court. court. I'm hungry. Sustained me eating my turkey <laughs> At the inquest, Sam was asked if him or his wife had ever asked for a divorce, and he said no. He was also asked all sorts of very specific questions during the inquest. I couldn't figure out their relevance about just about like his wife's pregnancy, both with Chip and her current pregnancy. Yeah. Like, was it a tough pregnancy? He was also at one point asked about a hospital Halloween party, which was relevant, but he was also, but the thing that didn't seem relevant was that he was asked if he was in costume and what that costume was. But I want to (laughs) know. Oh, that's very relevant. Look, it's relevant. I'm knocking my turkey leg. (laughs) Sustained. Answer the question. (laughs) He was asked, Dr. Shepard, were you wearing a gingham dress at this Halloween party? (laughs) Gingham? I guess he was going as Dorothy. Oh my God, I love it. And he said yes. Wow. And the paper was like, he sighed and said yes. <laughs> uh, that is kind of a thing that happens where you're like, well, if I ever knew I was going to have to answer a question about this, I never would have done it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, what did you eat? And you have to say, well, I had crackers. <laughs> Melted cheese. (laughs) You have to do your embarrassing like midnight food snack or something. Like that was like when I had a nutritionist when I was twenty five, and he told me to write down like a food diary of like everything before he put me on this like healthy eating plan. And I was like so shameful reading it to him. Oh Oh my my god, God. it was awful. (laughs) Like there were some things on there. I'm like I can't even explain that. (laughs) (laughs) It was like. One of the items I remember, just because I was so, like, I felt so ashamed, was, like, an entire bag of shrimp chips. <laughs> you know shrimp chips? Yes, okay. I had eaten that, but it was, like, in combined like, with something else, like, that did not go together. I think I told you that, uh, <laughs> wait, no, I can't remember. I can't remember what I was going to say, but go ahead. Okay, I'm sure you did tell me. 
<laughs> there was some weird food thing and it slipped my mind. So he was also asked if he was at that Halloween party, if he was paying a little too much attention to another girl there named Susan Hayes. Sam said no. Now, this woman, Susan Hayes, was a 24-year-old woman who worked as a lab tech at Sam's hospital. Sam testified that while he was visiting L.A., he met up with Susan Hayes, who was now living there. He said he met up with her more than once, but they were just friends. Like He just adamantly, this is a friend, she used to work at the hospital, now she lives in L.A. He denied having ever slept in the same bed with her while in Los Angeles. He also denied having ever taken her to a striptease party in Ohio. I guess that was a question that was asked. Wow. I only got his answer. Okay. <laughs> he said no. Where did that but that had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Someone must have seen him at a strip club together. A strip tease. Well, it's the fifties. I love it. They call it strip tease back then. <laughs> Sam also recounted the events of July third before his wife was murdered. The Aherns were over and they had dinner and dessert. They had cherry pie for dessert. Just had to let you know. Uh, yeah, yum. Afterwards they watched TV. Now, he recounted the same story about the attack that he had already told to yeah. the police before this. Nancy Ahern, one of the guests who was over at the Shepherd home on July 3rd, testified that three months before the murder, Marilyn told her that her and her husband had spoken about getting a divorce. Now, it should be noted that like, I feel like divorce was a lot like more, oh, of a shameful thing back yeah, then. Yeah, definitely. It was like a very, like people were not getting divorced as much. At, as much. It wasn't the 70s. Yeah. She also confide, confided to her about the receipt for the watch that the husband bought for another woman. Nancy couldn't determine that that woman in question was Susan Hayes, but she did say that Marilyn had confided that my husband, Sam, bought some jewelry, this watch, for some other chick. Dr. Chapman, who the Akron Beacon Journal described as a, quote, socialist psychiatrist and neurosurgeon. (laughs) Socialist psychiatrist. (laughs) Well, he's not socialist, socialite. Oh, I was like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. He was also a, he's a friend of Sam Shepard's and this guy lived live was living in Los Angeles at the time. Well, he testified that Sam had confided in him about his marriage problems. So okay. both of Marilyn and Sam are talking to their friends yeah. about their problems with their marriage. Susan Hayes flew into Ohio from Los Angeles to aid in the investigation, and she admitted that Sam Shepard had, quote, been more than a casual friend. Mm. She gave a statement to the police that she and Sam had, in fact, been intimate with each other, even though Sam had vehemently denied it. Okay. On July 30th, 1954, Sam Shepard was arrested at his father's home for the murder of his wife, Marilyn Shepard. He was charged with first-degree murder. While in custody, Sam was grilled by police, but under the advice of his lawyer, he kept quiet. The papers printed that the mayor, J. Spencer Hoke, claimed that Marilyn, quote, feared for her life for some time before the murder occurred. Hoke told police that Marilyn was afraid her husband of her husband after she learned of his affair with Susan Hayes. 
By August, five women had been identified as have as having had an affair with Sam Shepard. Oh, damn. Yeah. Like, so he did have a wandering eye. So five women had come forward like, yeah, I fucked him. I mean, he's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he's a young doctor. He's yeah. Like, he's I'm only just saying 30. like doctors, yeah, they do- could get it back then. I think doctors get it. And he yeah. was like, yeah, he was a young doctor too and like wealthy and yeah. six- respected in the town. One woman that fucked him was a former patient of his. Ooh. She told police that she was treated by a shepherd after suffering injuries in a car accident and that they became intimate. Dude, that is hot. <laughs> He's like hitting on people with internal injuries. No, he she had a big leg cast on, too. Dude. <laughs> He's like, I'll I'll fucking I'll give you an internal injury. <laughs> what the hell? That is like sick. I mean, it's like so sick, but also kind of hot that he would hit on people who are that injured. <laughs> wow. What a horny bitch. So she told police that he had taken her to several kissing parties. What? I don't know what that is. I'm like, honestly, can't breathe. Right what is a kissing party? I don't know. It's like simultaneously so chaste, but so perverted. <laughs> Totally. I would rather go to a fucking party than a kissing party because that sounds awful. Kissing party definitely is creepier. Like you could get murdered there. There's something very wrong about that. A kissing party. Oh, I can't. And that they had kissed and hugged a number of times. Kissed and hugged? (laughs) What the hell? This is disturbing. Including on a long car trip they took together. They also kissed at her home while her husband wasn't home. When the husband found out, he slapped her, she said. Jesus <laughs> Christ, what what a what a what a time. Like, <laughs> what's going on in Ohio? <laughs> she kissed him and her husband slapped her. Jesus. Oh my god. Okay. So the trial began October 1954. Now, I have to note that most, well, well pretty much 99% of my research came from the newspaper, uh, court transcripts, as well as old police reports. I did watch an investigation discovery about uh, this case. Yeah. <laughs> and in their reenactment, Sam Shepard rolls into the courtroom wearing a neck brace and aviator sunglasses. What? <laughs> Let me just point out, <laughs> that's not true. He was not wearing a neck brace in the, in the tri- during the Why trial. Why would you add that <laughs> out of nowhere for no reason? Like his neck was injured. Like he said his neck was injured. Oh, like during the struggle? Yes, but the trial was months later. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It wasn't right the next day. He <laughs> like... No, but also the aviator sunglasses, like they made him look hungover when he rolled up there. Like, and he had them on. <laughs> That's really weird. It was so weird. Okay. So <laughs> I just had to note that you guys should watch it. It's on their program, A Crime to Remember. Okay. So the prosecution charged that Sam's infidelities and his wife's alleged call for divorce was the motive of the murder. The prosecution called Sam, quote, a deliberate and vicious killer. They called for the death penalty. They reiterated that this was a murder that occurred behind closed doors with no evidence of a break-in. 
The prosecution said that nothing of value was taken from the home and that Sam had poorly attempted to stage a burglary. Now, Sam's defense argued that the harping on his sex life had no bearing on the murder case. Sam was furious that the prosecution was planning on bringing in Susan Hayes to testify. I bet he, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was like, what the fuck? Right. We, right. I mean, I don't know, because it does seem relevant. But what would yes, he, I but mean, <laughs> that's what his lawyer, that's what his the defense attorneys were arguing was like, this isn't, so he's horny. Well, but also, is the prosecution saying he killed her? Why, though? He could get divorced. That's their argument, is that he killed her to cover rather than divorce his wife, he killed her to cover up all the affairs he was having. So he didn't want that to come out. Yes, basically. Yes. Well, I mean, his plan backfired <laughs> in a major way. <laughs> uh, now, the defense also claimed that law enforcement bungled the investigation and failed to find any other suspects, despite there being leads. The coroner testified for the state that the blood on Marilyn Shepard's pillow bore the imprint of what looked like a surgical tool. The jurors were shown the blood-stained pillow. Now, he couldn't definitively say that a surgical tool made this imprint on the pillow. That's really weird. But it could have been. Yeah. That's what he said. Like, this was the but murder weapon. <sighs> Wait, what was the imprint, though? It was like a just a print, like a blood stain. Oh, so the blood stain had like um, a shape. the shape of a surgical. That seems really random. Yeah, because uh, that what would that you can't? She was like brutally beaten. Like yeah, you're not going to do that with a surgical tool. Tool. Well, like it was some tool. I assume it wasn't like a fine. I guess all surgery tools are finely shaped. I think so. I mean, that's. That's wild, though. That's what he asserted. So they just saw some weird blood stain on the pillow, and they're like, that looks like a scalpel. Whatever, <laughs> basically, like, or that it matched something. Like, Yes. That's really weird. That's what they're going with It's like here. a Rorschach test or something. Yeah. Like, even, they saw something in it. Even though they surmised that the instrument that she was beaten with was, like, larger than that. I mean, just, like, based on what she is was happening legend. right here, it's like... If that was true, that he wanted to kill his wife for that reason, which is very stupid in my opinion, like there'd need to be way more, I think. Yeah. Like she was threatening him in some way. Uh, I don't think he would kill his wife in that way. Right. I don't either. Like it's too, it's like overkill. Do you I know what I mean? I also like, think he's a surgeon, so I feel like he's very precise. Or he would have probably had other ways to do it very easily. He would have had access to all kinds of drugs. Right, or just been able to like know how to strategically kill her, like right. cutting the right artery or whatever. Right. I just don't think he would brutalize her. Even if he wanted to make it look like a robbery, he might just hit her once or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just seems on on the face of it, like unlikely to me. Yeah, I mean, it's about to get more absurd. Okay. <laughs> now, Marilyn's first cousin, a man named Thomas Weagle, testified that he had once seen Sam lose his temper and spank his son. Not Thomas's son, his own son, yeah. Chip. He was the only person to testify that Sam had anything other than a mild-mannered ma- personality. In fact, 18 different character witnesses were called by the defense to testify in, in the defense of Sam, right. saying that he was had a very calm personality and he was of good character. They also said that Sam never mistreated his wife. I mean, aside from having all the affairs. Right. But they were like, he, he I, wasn't like an abusive He guy. wasn't an abusive husband where he was hitting her or verbally talking right. down to her. 
Susan Hayes was the prosecution's final witness. She testified for 37 minutes about her two-year-long affair with Sam. Susan recounted Sam and her staying together for a week in Los Angeles in March of 1954 at the home of their mutual friends, Dr. Miller and his wife, Mrs. Miller. What kind of people let a man and his mistress stay with them? Well, they... (laughs) That's like a wild thing to do, right? Like... I mean, I... That's like so mad men to me. Like, right. We're just like, oh, honey, shut up. <laughs> like the, the husband of the peep, the guy they're right. saying, it's like, you know, just calm down, Janet. Because, <laughs> because Sam and his wife, Marilyn, had traveled to California together and they split off at one point because she went up to Monterey uh-huh. to, which is, if you don't know, that's like 300 miles north yeah. of LA. She went up to Monterey while they were in California and he stayed down in LA. So, and then they traveled back together. Right. But he was in LA for a week. They went, I think they went to a wedding in San Diego together. Yeah. Like him and Susan did. Like, oh. Yeah. Like, so he's like carrying on his affair with his wife just in Monterey. Like she left and he's like, time to get busy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He hit up Susan because she had recently moved to LA from Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they had been having an affair. So they met in Ohio. Yes. She moved to LA. She worked at the hospital. Got it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Okay. Susan said that Sam had given her a ring back in January that year and a watch in March when he came to visit her in L.A. Susan said that Sam had professed his love to her and that while he loved his wife, he didn't love her like a wife. He wanted a divorce. Susan told the courtroom of all the times that they had sex. They fucked in a car. They fucked in an apartment building above his clinic. And they also fucked multiple times in Los Angeles at the home of the Millers. 
imagine having to testify. <laughs> And they and they they were very objectifying to this woman in all the newspaper it's so stories. It's awful. I they, feel bad for they her. They were like she had a she had a you know a sassy spray of freckles across her nose and like they were just like she was pretty the pretty yeah. pert the one of the one of the articles pert. called her pert. That word should never be used to it's, describe a woman. It's so awful. It's a disgusting word. I hate it. Now. She said that after Sam returned home to Bay Village, Ohio, he wrote her love letters. Oh. When Sam Shepard took the stand in his defense, he admitted to the relationship with Susan. So he... He finally admitted it. He finally admitted it. Now, here are some quotes from, like, you know, during the trial, these are some quotes that were said by some people. Mrs. Weagle, who was the husband of Thomas Weagle, Uh the cousin of Marilyn Shepard, she was the former president of the East Cleveland PTA, and she had this to say about Susan Hayes. She called her a brazen brat. Ooh. Sam's brother, Stephen, was quoted as saying, quote, Sam knows he's a damned fool. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is my favorite quote said by someone close to the trial. Susan's father, Egbert, said, quote, Excuse me? (laughs) Just wait. His name's either Elbert or Egbert, because in two newspapers it was printed differently. Well, either way, he's screwed. (laughs) He was this, like, guy from Texas who sold ranching equipment. Okay. So he said... I wish we could all go down to Mexico when this is all over and buy a little home and live in the sun. I'd just like to sit around and drink tequila for the rest of my life. What? (laughs) And they're like, sir, this is an Arby's. (laughs) That's so weird. What is that even? This guy's Jimmy Buffett. I think his name is probably Albert (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) Sounds like more Texan. It's just like I was dying laughing because it's like in this newspaper article, they're saying all these very relevant quotes and then they're like, all of a sudden this guy, (laughs) and here's the crazy person, (laughs) but we have to print it. I think we should all just go down to Mexico. You know what I like? (laughs) He's like finally getting interviewed. So he's like, I'm just going to tell it like. Good for you, Egbert. I hope you did go to get, get down yeah, to Mexico. Me too. The defense argued that there was no reason for Sam to have killed his wife if all he wanted was a divorce. Right. Because there was like no insurance policy. Or, no. Yeah. He was the wealthy one. Yeah. Now, Sam was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. At this time, Sam Shepard's trial was the longest in Cuyahoga County history. Wow. Sam and his attorneys immediately filed an appeal on the grounds that he was not given a fair trial due to the media coverage of him. The appeal was denied, and Shepard would spend years appealing with no avail. In January of 1955, less than a month after Sam's conviction, his mother Ethel Ethel committed suicide. Oh my God. 11 days later, his father died. Sam's family, the rest of his family, they... They always stood behind him, believing his innocence. Yeah. They always believed him. And Sam always said that he was innocent. In 1959, Sam began corresponding with a platinum blonde woman from Germany named Ariane Tebejohans. They became engaged a few years later. This is like love after lockup meets 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. Like she, I I have to say, when I hear this, it's like Sam. Yeah. (laughs) 
don't do this. You're trying to get an appeal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, well, I was trying to, there was, there was, I was reading like some articles about them and I was kind of confused about what was going on. But from what I surmised, they actually had to write letters through Sam's brother. Okay. Because they at one point got barred from writing letters to each other because they got caught like fucking oh. or something. So like she was barred from writing letters to him. So she would like go to the, she, and she loved talking to the press too. So there was like a lot okay. of like blurbs from her in the press and she would be like, oh, oh, Mr. Such and such, please let me write letters to Sam again so I don't have to go through his brother. Okay. I, I just want to see my husband. And like she was, she would talk to the press about how like she was in America on a visa, but that she had to go back to Germany soon if they didn't get married. It this was is like wild. No, yeah. it was literally 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. But also crazy. Love After Lockup. Yeah. It was the two show, my two, <laughs> to be two honest, shows I love. We should trademark that right now. <laughs> <laughs> we really should. That's like a great show. A crossover event? Yeah. Love, love After Lockup meets 90 Day Fiance. Right. Like not yeah. only is your potential spouse in prison, but you also aren't an American citizen. Right. It would be good. Yeah. And you have to get married to them before they get out. It's a race against that's like, time. That's when the world, we know the world is ending. <laughs> when that shows up the air, we've run out and of I, ice. And I can't wait for us to be executive producers. Yeah. <laughs> now, she was covered, like I said, a good amount in the press. In one article from the Akron Beacon Journal, she discussed her and Sam's plans to live in an apartment that she had rented for them. Oh, she's got some plans. <laughs> in this interview that she did with the Akron Beacon Journal, she said that she planned to hang a giant blow-up photograph of Marilyn Shepard in their living room. What? <laughs> That's like such a misguided statement. That is, is, who thinks that's a good idea? But you could tell she's probably like, this is how innocent he is. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she's probably, she's like doing it to make them look like good people, but it actually is so creepy. Like, yeah. She's like, oh, she, we miss her. She was wonderful. She doesn't know Marilyn. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is a picture of her, by the way. I've been dying. She has platinum blonde hair. This, I think she's a little older in this picture. Well, I would hope so, because he's still pretty young at this point, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, wait. Here's a great picture of her. Oh, we'll post this on our Instagram for sure. She's 33 here. Oh. I mean, she's kind of German looking, right? She just, she's very like has like a very German look. Yeah. And she also has a, she has a platinum blonde beehive happening right now. She's like someone who's kind of like pretty, but then there's also something kind of rigid looking about her right it's well, like she's also kind of kooky because she yeah. wants to hang a big picture of her new fiance's and what she's doing is quite odd to be wanting to marry this man in yeah. general like, right it's odd to want to marry someone who was convicted of murdering their wife yeah it's pretty i mean it's a red flag we, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if, that's a red flag. <laughs> if you start dating someone and they've recently been convicted of murdering their ex-wife, you should probably consult your therapist. Honestly, even if they're just in prison for life, <laughs> no matter what. Well, because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, wait. This is, this is a great picture of them, too. She looks a lot older than 33, I think, because she's tanned a lot and like her, has sun damage and also because they didn't have Botox in the 60s. But this is a great picture of her. She's wearing an orange sheath dress. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great look. Yeah. 
Anyway, she has great style. Like she's very like she's kind of vampy. Yeah, she's like she's kinda, definitely vampy. She's a little tacky, and I appreciate that. I like tacky. I do too. Okay, where were we? Now, in 1961, after years of filing for appeals to no avail, Sam hired a new attorney. He hired a young F. Lee Bailey Ooh. as his criminal defense attorney. Now, Bailey is very famous. He was part of OJ's dream team. Yeah. He's done some really famous cases. So this was when F. Lee Bailey was in his first year of being a lawyer, or he had been a lawyer for like a year or something like that. He was new, but he was like a hot young defense attorney. In 1963, Bailey filed a habeas corpus petition, arguing that Sam's rights to due process had been violated, and in June of 1964, Sam Shepard was released. The prosecution had 60 days to bring new charges against Sam, otherwise the case would be thrown out. Meanwhile, Sam and Ariane got married a few days after he was released from prison. Wow. In 1966, Sam published his book, a memoir about the murder and about his life in prison titled Endure and Conquer. That same year, his case went to the Supreme Court. It was ruled that Sam wasn't given a fair trial and a new one was ordered. At that trial, a blood expert named Dr. Paul Kirk was brought in to testify. He testified that there were two types of blood found at the murder scene, Marilyn's and someone else's, and that someone else did not match Sam Shepard's blood. Ooh. Now, in November of 1966, Sam Shepard was found not guilty. Oh. So he's a free man now. Yeah. He's not guilty. And he can't be tried. And he can't be tried again for this. After the trial, he went on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Wow. (laughs) I looked everywhere for that clip. It's really hard to find... Tonight Show clips from Johnny Carson. Maybe it's like... You know, there's like probably thousands of hours of it. Yeah, but maybe it's like that thing where like you used to not be able to find SNL clips on the internet. Like yeah. someone's holding them hostage. I'm always kind of surprised. Like sometimes I swear to God, like I look forever for something. Like I looked for that um, Dorothy Kilgallen uh, sandwich and then someone on our Facebook group they posted just, it. And I was like, well, I literally searched for... But it's like if you don't put the exact right terms in or... Yeah. Whatever, I was really scattered, so I probably wasn't as focused, but I'm always shocked when something finds something. I'm good at searching also because yeah. we're online so much. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I'm, hopefully someone posts the clip because I would love to see I it. I would love to see that clip of him. I did see another clip of him, but it was not It was not a Johnny Carson clip. I yeah. want the Johnny Carson clip. Absolutely. Okay. Now, in 1967, Sam sued the Cleveland Press for their sensational news articles about him during the 1954 investigation and trial. He also sued the coroner in the investigation. Remember that coroner, the surgical imprint tool? Yeah. Sam's medical license was reinstated, and in 1968, he began work at a new practice. But his renewed medical career was short-lived. That same year, he was sued by families of two different patients after they died on an operating table. Ooh. He, I mean, it was a mistake. Right. But I also think it probably didn't help that they were like, oh, he's a convicted murderer, whatever. He was convicted of murdering his wife. We can, like, sue him. Yeah. Or it just was like, get this guy out of here. And, like, basically, he, like, lost his um, malpractice insurance. Okay. 
so as then a he couldn't of practice this. anymore. Yeah, and Sam, I mean, it was obviously it was just a mistake. It was just really unfortunate. Yeah, that it happened like that. And also, I think his medical skills had probably, like, his surgical skills had probably declined. Yeah, he hadn't been practicing for right. so long. That seems like something really hard to pick up again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Now he resigned from medicine, and also he divorced Ariane. Aww. Yeah, big changes. But it was okay, because by 1969, he found his new calling, wrestling. What? (laughs) (laughs) I told you this story had twists and turns. Wrestling? He became a professional wrestler. What year is this? 1969. Damn. This is long before Hulkamania came for you. (laughs) I was like, how how did I never hear of him? And he was known as the (laughs) junk... Like, what do you the, think he was known as? What do you think he was known as? The surgeon? No. <laughs> <laughs> he was known as Killer. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That's bold. <laughs> that's bold. I like I like the someone thinking of that. It's like the least creative choice, <laughs> but at the same time, kind of brazen. Yeah. Like, you could just picture the promoter being like, how about Killer? <laughs> Like we, he, we know you did it, Sam. Like, and he would go along with it is crazy. I know. Now, he made his professional wrestling debut in Cleveland, and he won. Wow. And he got, Wait, like, what's his age at this point? He's got to be in his 50s, right? No. Wait, how no, old is he's he? he's not. He's, uh, he's, like, 44. Okay. He's in his 40s. Okay. He's not that okay. old. Uh, let me show you. But that's a, pretty old to start a professional wrestling career. Let me show you a picture of him. He's like yoked up. Look at him. He. I bet you think he was hot in this picture. There he is. Oh, I. I definitely do not think he's okay. hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting excited, but no, no, he's. I think that's him. I mean, I looked at. I think that's him. I mean, this guy looks hotter with the the shoe on his yeah, face. Who's that guy? I don't know. Okay, well, I need to okay. like find more pictures of him. No, but I just, those are good. I just pulled that like immediately, but he became a professional. But he wrestler. has like the wrestling outfit I do not like the no. big black underwear. <laughs> with those, I don't like that look. With those weird, tiny, flat lace up boots. Yeah, and the underwear really high waisted. <laughs> like, it looks like a diaper. Yeah, it's awful. It's not a good it's look. It's just awful. I don't like it. A month later, after his wrestling debut, he, he got married again. Really? He married the men are just insane. <laughs> like how are have women can never not get women. <laughs> like it's crazy. He married the daughter of his wrestling manager, 20-year-old Colleen Strickland. Jesus Christ, I'm <laughs> irritated. <laughs> he was 45 at the time. Okay. Now Colleen's dad was the same age as Sam. Okay. This is a quote from Sam in the newspaper. Of course I'm as old as her father. My son is two years older than my wife. What? <laughs> Why would you brag about that? You know, you just want him to be slightly more likable. <laughs> of course she of course I'm the same age as her father. That's how we met. I'm friends with her father. Look <laughs> <laughs> You fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> Sam's mother-in-law said, "My son-in-law is six years older than me." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam 
Graham's new career in marriage ended soon after it started. He died in 1970 at the age of 45. Whoa. Wait, of, of cancer? Or? Yeah, he had like liver failure and some like deficiency of something else. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like he didn't, it, he died of like a medical condition. Okay. So but that seems really sudden. It was very sudden. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit. In 1989, a man named Richard Eberling was convicted in the 1984 murder of Ethel May Durkin, who was a wealthy widow that he had been caring for. Eberling was also the window washer and handyman at the Shepherd home back in 1954. Not only was he working for the Shepherds at the time of the murder, but he was actually brought in by the police in 1959 on a burglary charge. In his possession was jewelry belonging to Marilyn Shepard. While in custody, he had some pretty creepy things to say about Marilyn. He said that he liked her tight white shorts and her butt. And Ew. like he just like was like, oh, she's so he just said some gross things yeah, about her. Like sexual yeah. things, yeah. He was 29 at the time. Eberlein was balding, but he was known to have worn a toupee. But he was ruled out by the police as a suspect in her murder. At this time, Chip Shepard wanted the case of his mother's murder to be reopened. Yeah. He's an adult now. He's like... This has probably haunted him. Yes. He's like in his 40s now. He's like, I want this. I want this to be reopened. He also wanted to clear his father's name. In 1995, his book that he co-authored with Cynthia Cooper called Mockery of Justice was published. He published this book called, his son publishes a book called Mockery of Justice. It was about his mother's murder and also about Richard Eberlein and his link. Right. Him being like him, this guy's, I think this guy is the one who did it. So he thinks this is the guy. Yes. Charges of murdering Marilyn Shepard were never brought against Richard Eberlein. There were reports from his cellmates that he had bragged about killing Marilyn but he always publicly denied having murdered her. And people do things in prison, like bragging. Yes, yeah. they do. He died in prison in 1998. And yeah, so he was never charged for her murder, but it is, a lot of people believe like, oh, this is the guy who yeah, actually did it. that name is familiar to me. I, I do feel like I've heard this. Well, yeah. he, was all, he was a serial killer. He killed a bunch of people, or a, not a bunch, but like he killed- Multiple. He killed multiple women. So maybe we'll, we'll do an episode on him for Mysteries and Macabre yeah. for our Patreon show. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it makes sense, like, especially like, on the investigation discovery episode I was watching, they were talking about like, oh, well, he's the handyman. Of course, he would have like access to the house and like some, it was like no one locked their doors in Bay Village in 1954. He could have just opened the door at night. Well, he might have even had a key or a key made. If he, right. Yeah. He might have had a key if he was the handyman. Um, It's really weird and crazy that she was murdered in that way. Because even if it was a robbery, it's like if they were sleeping, why not just take the stuff? Yeah, because it seems like a very brutal death for someone to just have been a robbery gone wrong. Or do you know what I mean? Like, but this guy was also a killer. Yeah, that's true. He ended up being a killer, but he knew the husband was sleeping. Or I, I mean, there's just like a lot. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, there's a lot of questions if you think he's the killer, and there's a lot of questions if you think Sam's the killer. That don't make sense. I think the weird thing about Sam is that his life takes such a weird turn. It makes me think less of him. (laughs) 
like when he starts wrestling and marrying the 20 year old, but then I'm kind of like, well, did, is he just fucked up by what happened to him? And Probably. he's like, he's like reliving his youth. Like the whole story is fucked up, but poor Marilyn, I feel bad uh, yeah. for her. She's the victim in this She's story. She's the victim in it. It's like, you just want to think whoever did that to her would be punished. Right. I exactly. Mean, but I guess both of them are dead. So there's that, but right. it would be good for the son to have that knowledge. Yeah. I think. The son, I, the son's also a victim in this yeah, story. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, both his parents. He lost both of his parents, basically. And his grandparents. Yeah. Because they committed suicide. Well, the, the, the mother did. The, the grandmother. grandmother committed suicide. Uh, his, his paternal grandparents, I should say. That was a good episode. Thank you. <laughs> um, crazy. Yeah. I'm glad that story worked. I know. It was, I was like, when I was kind of, like I said, when I was sort of looking into it a little bit, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was really good. Though. Yeah. And like, I had no idea of the wrestling. It's There's so many twists in it. I mean, there's so much <clears throat> more like little tidbits I'm like fascinated by the little, the marriages, the new women too. Like those women always fascinate me. I'm fascinated in general by women who fall in love with people who are imprisoned for murder. Yeah, it's fascinated wild. by. We it. should do like a whole especially, show on it. Yeah, especially like someone who killed their spouse or allegedly killed like, their spouse. I'm emotionally unavailable, but like that's insane. <laughs> like I like emotionally unavailable men, but like that is like a whole that's other like level. A different thing. I'm fascinated by those women. It's really I could read so much about it. Like I'm Same. always and like some of them are so fucking wild. That bitch who was in love with Danny Rollins. Yeah. She's like a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah. She's the she's like the pinnacle. She's got crazy eyes yeah. too. So they everyone all of the other ones are kind of like you need to step it like she's, step it up. That's she, the queen. Wait, but the but the wait a minute. I forgot about the other one who's also at the top. Who's also the, my favorite? The Jimmy James Hollywood one. No, oh. is the Hillside Strangler cum glove girl. Oh yeah, the girl who traveled. I forgot about up her. The state of California with a bag of cum. She's good, but the Jimmy James Hollywood woman too. Remember Jesse her? James Hollywood. Jesse James Hollywood. Yeah, I don't remember. No, her. remember what did he she got do? he went down to San Diego in prison. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he got she, married. Yeah, she was crazy too. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, we have to do like a They're women all- women who love men in prison episode. Yeah, it'll be hilarious. Okay, let's do okay. it. Okay, bye. bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.